Science. Welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm joined by Matt Kirshen. Hey, Andy. It's been a month, hasn't it? Well, I guess I it guess. has. You've had episodes, but we have. We stopped past some episodes while I went off to New York and to be ill. Yeah, it's been a while since we did a, like a back in the garden. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We just had a brunch. I feel like I should apologize right now for, I think, two out of the last five episodes had some sort of technical difficulty. There's no good excuse for that. It won't happen today. I've taken measures to make sure that, um, unless it does, in which case, <laughs> I'll find out afterwards. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, thanks for being cool, everyone who people messaged, but not in a particularly dickish way. So thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, and I get that. It's, uh, it's within, you're within your rights to complain about that. Um also, a cool thing that came out of last week's episode with Alice Wetterland was uh, I mentioned that we were talking about a story about someone in Ghana who had developed a, a technique to navigate Ghana because it's a, a country without street addresses. And I just did some quick calculation and I said, well, you know, we could also just try to move towards getting away with all addresses and just codify like the entire planet. And you could do that with not that many characters. And then I said as like a toss off comment or, you know, make it even easier and don't make it like 10 alphanumeric characters, make it like three actual words and then two different listeners wrote in to tell me that there's a thing called what three words.com that maps the entire planet into grids three meters by three meters square each square defined by three words yep. nice. and also wow. just a few seconds ago as well richard wilkinson just tweeted at us to say google's version of gps coordinates to alphanumeric code as well at, that one's openlocationcode.com but what three words.com are like the best because if you're meeting someone at like a giant park or the beach, and you want to say exactly where your towel is. You don't have to say, like, look for the lifeguard towel. You could say, we're at... Uh, Penguin Iguana Guacamole. Exactly. Nice. Yeah, so I've been looking up, like, places, my favorite places, and seeing how many of them have kind of fun, randomly happen to have three-letter, common, three-word combinations that are interesting. Which is kind of like that. there was an XKCD uh, strip about people Password. always choosing the wrong passwords. Mm-hmm. Let's, should we just introduce our guest? Because I think this is someone he could actually weigh in on. Definitely. Right, uh, returning to the show, we have comedian friend of the show, Dax Jordan. Hello, Hello. this is the sound of my voice. Thank you for joining us. Mm-hmm. And very excited, this has been a long time in the making, we have with us the man who has the second highest IQ in the world, Rick Rosner. Hey. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for joining us. Sure. The trouble with losing uh, street names is that uh, LA writers wouldn't be able to steal the names for their TV characters. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get Topanga and Boy Meets World and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Grace Van Owen on L.A. Law. Yeah. Ah. The movie Cloverfield. Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd have to turn the into... two movies, Cloverfield. Yeah, another one coming. Cloverfield Lane. Um, 101 McCaskill. <laughs> From, no, it's not, mm? it's not a real one. Huh? Not, mm? It's not a real one. Okay. I just I just picked a number one name because it's... Uh, <laughs> oh, but yeah, so, some good three-word combinations if you guys want to look stuff up. My favorite place in Oregon, uh, Stepfather Boot Half. Uh, our, our camp at last year's Burning Man, probably Cactus Floppy. Uh, let's see what else. A stepfather will boot a, a half kid. Uh, a half kid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Machu Picchu is uh, reaching slightly workout, which you'd have to do to get to the top there. So reaching the slightly workout? Just reaching slightly workout. Reaching slightly workout. So if you enter those three yeah. words into what three, three words.com, that site or that app, it takes you to the exact right 10 foot by 10 foot square. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. I And I to be fair, I've... Um, I've been obsessed with this for the last uh, week or so, but I've yet to meet somebody who understands why it's, who thinks it's as cool as I do. I don't know why it uniquely tickles me, but I show it to someone like, yeah, okay, I get it. I'm like, no, it's, it's all you need to define the entire planet is three words. And I've been going to like countries to see if different countries kind of have 
pull from a different group of English words. And non-English speaking countries tend to have longer words. Like they might have saved the more convenient, shorter one or two syllable words for English speaking countries. If you go over to like Eastern Europe. Just another example of why maps are biased. I know, right? Mm -hmm. White privilege. (laughs) (laughs) The the strip I was talking about, the cartoon was, um, it was an XKCD one where he was pointing out that the way people mostly pick passwords by choosing an uncommon word and mixing common substitutions for the numbers like zeros replacing o's and that kind of thing and then adding a couple of symbols on the end oh doesn't actually have that much entropy doesn't actually have that many combinations and is really hard to understand and quite difficult to get oh sorry really hard to remember rather oh right right and not that hard for a computer to crack whereas if you just pick four common words the example he gives in the strip is correct horse battery staple that's 44 bits of entropy and you've already remembered it. Mm-hmm. Wow. All right. That's actually actionable information. Yeah. The bummer just being that so many password-based things won't let you do purely alphabetic passwords. But yeah. That is true. From, from a math standpoint, yeah. that's a better solution. If only you could do it. Or you could use one password and that's use our true. code. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. You can oh, uh, yeah. visit agilebits.com. And I believe the code science will still get you 25% off. A-G-I-L-E-B-I-T-S.com. I use I use one password and it's simplified my life online immensely you just log in on your browser and it can keep everything in one place behind one master password do they have a safe word option as well <laughs> i have different safe words with oh, different women and i'd like to just use one. Oh, it's always so hard when you can't remember the right one yeah, you know, yeah. I've, been, I've been screaming banana at shelly for an hour and she's yeah. still doing it and then you have to reset it <laughs> you don't remember which ones required you to have some capitals and some lower cases right like, yeah. yeah exactly Shelly was a stickler for numbers solving a capture when you're blindfolded yeah. <laughs> and then there's ransomware right yeah. yeah and then you get the ransomware with your safe word <laughs> terrible so rick um we've been wanting to have you on for a number of reasons. You are the second smartest man in the world by no, the IQ, IQ definition. With, okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, I guess let, I'll let you speak to that because I'm well, sure people say, how do you know? You're... It's, it's IQ. It, it's, it's, it's having wasted thousands of hours of my life on dozens of, of really hard IQ tests, which should subtract points for the stupidity of doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, people who don't take IQ tests, like you know Bill Gates, make tens of billions of dollars right and are thus smarter (laughs) that's using whatever that is uh yeah so how did you first realize that you were exceptional intelligence wise or what age were you when you it was mostly my mom who realized it because the other moms started giving her shit thinking since she was a school teacher they thought she was keeping me inside and just drilling me on stuff Mm because i knew how to read at three and i just knew a lot of stuff and Really, I kept myself inside because I was terrible with other kids, and mm-hmm. I was an inside kid. I think our listeners, and I can relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> and I tried to play with the other kids, and they buried me to my chest in a post hole. <laughs> oh, God. That's some carry shit. But That's now you're good at anagrams. Yeah. <laughs> yes. How old were you when that happened? Five. Oh, my God. But, I mean, the, the hole was already dug. You had to put somebody in the <laughs> hole, to. and I, I semi-volunteered, you know. Well, uh, all yeah, that changes go. things, then, if you're signing up for the, the abuse. How long were you stuck in it? Not No, a parent came along and, and freaked out a little bit, and I got pulled out. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. So then, uh, was were you did you excel at school, or were you bored by school because it was below you? Or Big swings from great performance to abysmal. Mm-hmm. 
And then when did you start taking IQ tests and, and realizing, oh, this I'm, I'm like a, an elite fraction of a percentile? Right, well, kind of- we had our first IQ test in kindergarten, and part of the test was the draw man test you might have heard of on uh, Mad Men. And you get scored on how good the guy you draw is, how many details, you know, does all fing- all his fingers. Mm-hmm. My guy had belt loops. He had shoelaces. <laughs> he was standing next to a, a stoplight. You know, so I, I got a lot of points. <laughs> and, he had his three-word unique GPS code. Right. <laughs> a spot of melanoma on his nose. <laughs> so, and... Our school was across the street from the university, which had a lot of psych majors, and the kids who liked taking IQ tests were always pulled out of class to take experimental IQ tests for the grad students who developed them. So I got a lot of practice, uh-huh. and uh, then in 12th grade, I, got, I asked for my permanent record, mm-hmm. and found out my IQ was only 150. I wanted it to be at least 170 so I could change the world of of science. Mm-hmm. Found out, no, not smart enough to do that. So I um, looked at more meathead professions like stripper and bouncer. <laughs> then a couple of years later, uh, these tests would start showing, showing up in magazines that purported to be able to measure you know, up to really high levels. And I started taking those tests and scoring in the 170s, 180s, found out the only the reason that I hadn't broken 150 is the tests you get in school stop at 150. As in you probably got every question uh, right, and that's as high as it can go with that limited number of questions. More or, or less, quality. yeah. yeah. And so then I just started taking a bunch of those to just goose my self-esteem. Uh-huh. Um, but you didn't mention, so you actually were working in the interim as a bouncer and stripper. Yeah, I, I bounced bars for 25 years, and I, I still get naked for art classes, even though nobody wants to see me. Well, not that <laughs> that many people wanted to see me when I was in my 20s. But. Do you still make sure you include things like belt loops and shoelaces? <laughs> no, but I do wear a, um, three socks on my bad leg. <laughs> And um, you and Iggy Pop. Iggy Pop's been doing nude modeling recently. I just yeah, saw it. He's on ripped. <laughs> right, yeah. And you started working out also late in high school because uh, I, I watched the Errol Morris interview with you. Well, every nerd in his heart thinks that, especially if you watched movies in the 70s and 80s, that his sensitivity and intelligence and niceness will win over the hot girl. Mm-hmm. And it took me till ninth or tenth grade to realize that that's bullshit at which point i started lifting weights and trying to talk like barbarino uh, but boulder's not a big town and everybody knew what i was up to and it it didn't fly yeah plus it, boulder's a really white white town and i i look kind of rabbi ish so i wasn't gonna nail the same girls my blonde ski instructor uh friends were getting with anyway right right that's literally like an 80s movie villain <laughs> a blonde ski instructor stealing your girls yeah my so friends were nice but, but yeah. i mean which is weird because now it's the rabbi-ish guy's the enemy <laughs> true yeah yeah they say you nerds don't go to the gym to get fit we go to get even <laughs> yeah. doesn't See, really ever work i wasted 30 to 40 minutes this morning because annie went hey there's a fun thing we should do before we have rick on the show let's uh let's both do an iq test and then he sent me a link so i'm like all right well i guess andy's done this one already and checked it out oh, i'm sorry so i spent well, however long it took doing this shitty test which was suspiciously easy oh uh, really yeah well there were some questions that were kind of hard but it was um like i'm not i'm not great on anagrams i know with these kind of tests that's one of the things i'm not that good on 
and every anagram was like, oh, rabbit. That's obviously <laughs> rabbit. Um, they would, and also every number puzzle it had was, like, it was always the same type of question. It mm. was all, there was no, which I think is what makes good IQ tests or, or yeah. puzzles in general tricky is not knowing the category of question. That's what, so when, when there's like, which of these numbers in the sequence is wrong or is in the wrong, is the odd one out mm-hmm. or what's the next one or whatever, you, th- you look at it and go, well, this could be something ar- arithmetical or it could be something about the way the numbers are written down and the number of lines or loops, or it could be these numbers as words have written out in, in full words have some character, like they only have one vowel except for this one that has two. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't. It was always an arithmetical... Oh, and it was always wow. the same type of arithmetic. It was so... Like, this I got, was my fault. I did yeah. a quick Googling for IQ test. I thought it was a, the one that Rick had talked about in, yeah. in an email conversation we had. And, it and then lo and behold, you get to the end and it's like... Right, your complete test report has been generated and can be accessed immediately for only nineteen ninety two euros. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, the euros. slutty ones that give you the high score, they want your money. Well, that's yeah. the other thing as well. I, at first, it looked like it's sort of it's, and then I realized it's sample test report where it said like your IQ is one hundred and sixty. But even then, I was like, even if that was related to what I just did, that's clearly bullshit. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. firstly. I don't think I got I, I more than maybe one or two questions wrong on that thing, and also they clearly like that if it's one that's trying to get you money to get your full breakdown, they're never going to go, yeah, you're a fucking idiot, mm. or you're right, average, right, you are right. mediocre. To find out exactly how mediocre, and did they ask your age? Because isn't it did ask your age, but oh, then it okay. just didn't tell you any further information. It yeah. just. This was on me. All I did was I downloaded an IQ test app um, months ago and, and took it a bunch of times. And it was just 15 questions long. And even though I, I didn't count it, if I saw once in a while, there'd be repeat questions. So I was like, well, I can't count this score. But then I got better as I went. And like, you shouldn't be able to get better if it's a good test. Well, no, I right? think you or, can, though, can't you? There's a huge... You're not supposed to be able to practice, but then there's a huge practice effect. Yeah. It's like the SATs. They used to say you couldn't study for the SATs. But that's before people learned how to study effectively, which is by taking 20 practice SATs. Yeah, yeah. Because like they, they must be – I've never done the SATs because that's uh, unique to America. But um, that has a lot of those sort of linguistic questions and then numerical – but it, it's surely – yeah, the more you do anagrams, the better you get at them. The more you do what's the next pattern in the sequence, the more you get an idea yeah. of the kind of things yeah. they ask. IQ tests are meant to be taken cold with tasks that you've never done before. Right. So if you practice them, yeah, you're going to kick ass eventually. And there's, there's only so many types of questions that they can ask yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so then you were realizing this is a, after you'd already started doing the bouncing and stripping, then you started to take these other tests and realize I am actually as exceptional as I was hoping that I was, or well, at least in the- at least by then I was you know in my early twenties and was seeing a little bit more of the bullshit of the whole idea, mm-hmm. um, but still being attracted to it because mm-hmm. being inept at a lot of stuff I like stuff that I'm good at. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Was there any? evidence ever that your actual iq was being tracked by academic institutions so like or was it just something that you thought well my iq is 150 which which means i can't uh, do such and such it's annoying because like everybody on the genius shows on cbs gets to like save the world and go on adventures and hang out with the uh so like who scorpion yeah so was there a bit of you that was hoping at some point you just get plucked by some government shady government agency like, or at least have adventures. Like they, they 
shoot that like a mile from my house. Ge- fake geniuses having adventures, and I'm at home <laughs> tweeting in my bathrobe. <laughs> yeah, what would you propose would be a good, a watchable genius show? I, I, they, and I guess anything with Sherlock Holmes seems to be decent. But I mean, if you were to pitch a reality show where you'd have uh, geniuses, actual oh. geniuses coming together oh, and doing things. No, you'd things take a bunch like- of geniuses and you'd put them in a house together. And to get food or clothing or shelter, blankets, whatever, they had to solve, they, you'd, they'd have to solve puzzles. But are they so difficult that it'd be hard for the average viewer to even uh, wrap their head around and enjoy watching them solve them or not? You think? Well, there'd be a range, so yeah, it'd yeah. be relatable. And you might... Um, I mean, there's a lot of ways to do that show. You could it could be half geniuses and half regular people, but nobody's saying who's who, and you oh, get to see who you know, if you can figure out who's regular and who's not. Oh, that yeah. would be interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, all the all the puzzles that are attached to food and clothing are booby trapped. That if you screw them up, you get hit with a flower bomb, and you know everybody gets <laughs> ghosted. <laughs> nice. And when it, yeah, if they didn't know who was who, it would say you know Rick, twenty five year bouncer. People are like oh, he can't be a genius. <laughs> but yeah, you, you measure people. Yeah, the wrong reality way. shows um, are have underutilized smart people. They go with you know attractive jerks. Right, right. But smart people can be. Just as jerky as 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 pretty people, <laughs> but yeah. not as attractive. No, that's not true. <laughs> Obviously. So right now you are um, you're you're pitching the memoir that is kind of focused on the the early the high school and post high school high school yeah. part of your the, the ten uh, years off and I on I spent in high school. It that, was King of the Nerds, going. by the way. While we're talking about, I'm sorry, King of the Nerds was the one reality show that there was that. There was also like. Beauty and the Brains or something. Oh, yeah. What was where that? they took hot girls and nerdy smart guys, and they had to save each other. The smart guys had to try to make the girls smart, and the hot girls had to rehabilitate the social skills of, of the right, nerds. Right. Yeah, that was pretty ugly. It was hard to watch that. Yeah, they got a couple seasons out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the conflict was not one I could yeah, handle. But like, yeah, there was not a lot of hooking up, which is what you, as a nerd, would hope. Right, so, yeah. What's the point of this show if that's not the, the carrot <laughs> yeah. being done? Yet again, and we're, we're back to the plot of Grease 2. <laughs> Everything is the back. plot of Grease yeah. 2. So, or speaking, Grease 1. Speaking of trying to rehabilitate yourself socially, so talk to us about the high school, the, the multiple high school thing. Well, if you don't of, mind, I'm not Middle sure. of my senior year, I was... I was student body co-president and that was going to be my year to get a girlfriend and lose my virginity Mm -hmm. and it wasn't coming anywhere close to happening and i was in the middle of my harvard application back when you could actually get into harvard Mm -hmm. um and i freaked out because like i was like how i'm gonna flunk out of harvard because i'm gonna be competing for girls with Kennedys and people who went to Exeter <laughs> and I'm going to get all bummed out and I'm going to just I mean some people can maybe deal with not ever having had a girlfriend but that wasn't me and I knew that I, I swore that I would not leave high school with my virginity intact so I wow. broke into my high school I stole blank records I created a whole new set of transcript <laughs> I have two families because my parents got divorced and I had a whole other family with my dad and my stepmom in Albuquerque mm-hmm. I switched families <laughs> and I went back for a second senior year in Albuquerque 
Wow. And I only last, I still couldn't talk to girls. I only lasted 10 weeks. And then where'd you Uh, go? I came back home and I just went to my hometown school, the University of Colorado. Okay. Half-acidly. But I thought there was more, there were more attempts at high school. I I did. I, I, I thought, hey, this is a good story. I should try to go out to Hollywood and try to sell it to a producer. And while I... I'm trying to sell it. I should be in high school because that would make it an even more interesting story. So I tried again. I tried it um, Hollywood High, but I was on the wrong side of the street to go there. So that moved me to Fairfax. And um, the it, this was late in the semester. I was just trying to talk my way in with no fake documents at all, just a sad story of family strife. Uh-huh. And the registrar lady said, no, they just passed Proposition 13. We don't have any money for your bullshit. Go back home. Uh-huh. What was Prop 13? Prop 13 is this tax relief deal which has starved the state of California from oh, yeah. tax revenue for schools and maybe some infrastructure for the past nearly 40 years it's 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 a terrible law because it needs a two-thirds majority to be rescinded and it's it's rich white people saying that they don't want to pay property taxes to send other kids to school because their kids go to private schools anyway Mm -hmm. oh great so somehow 40 years ago they managed to convince the electorate to vote for it yeah it's it's white people not wanting to pay to send other people's kids to schools because of their kids go to private schools anyway. Right. And, uh, so yeah. that's why you didn't successfully go back to Hollywood High? Uh, or Fairfax. go to Fairfax. Okay. And then, so I gave it one more shot at Beverly Hills High, and they were immediately suspicious. Okay. But you were moonlighting this whole time, doing the nude art modeling, bouncing, and stripping, Well, right? I came back from L.A. and read a book called Texas Celebrity Turkey Trot, that, <laughs> where it's about, it was one of the first books about celebrity. Mm-hmm. for celebrity's sake and in that book all the jerk celebrities got what they wanted via being a jerk so i decided i needed to be more obnoxious in my life and at that point i decided to go with the stripping and the bouncing okay and how how was the money for from those jobs a terrible uh, women tip worse for strippers <laughs> there's a whole dynamic with stripping where guys can imagine taking a losery but hot female stripper under their wing Mm -hmm. women see a hot but losery which i wasn't i mean i was the losery part but not the hot part (laughs) but they they see a hot guy on stage and they they think that's just a guy with a crappy job and i've got one of those at home so Uh, so i one time we drove like an hour and a half up to greeley colorado and I made $7 in tips <laughs> for the night. We've all done gigs like that. Sure. It's like it's so, from what I hear, Close, yeah, stripping but... is so much like stand-up comedy. Like there's so many parallels, but I don't think I've talked to any, any men who have done it. I drove to Wales once to do a gig that paid less than I spent in fuel. Oh, yeah. I've done, triple runs, basically, if you don't have someone else to pair up with, it's a yeah. losing proposition. Gas, gas to the pay, yeah. So then after that, so you spent, by the time you, you were in your last year... Of a high school, how old were you? I graduated at 27. <laughs> the, at 26, I came up with the theory of the universe right before I turned 21. Mm-hmm. And I'd been just kind of working on it, and I decided I wanted to spend a year just thinking about it. And I thought, what would be a fun place to just sit and think for a year? Kind of like Einstein's patent office. Okay. I thought, well, all right, 
this is my last chance to go back to high school before I lose much more hair. <laughs> and um, you know, I'll just be stuck in one of those desk chair combinations. I'll be forced to think. I don't, I don't mean to double back very quick, but how did you change your permanent record that first time when you went back to high school the, the first time? I, I just got a blank, bunch of blank transcript materials, and this was the dawn of Mac Paint, okay. which was <laughs> good for generating fake, authentic-looking fake documents, and I just fabricated everything and then by 1986 when i was ready to go back for the last time uh graphics technology had improved to the point where i i I forged 40 documents i went for the whole permanent record (laughs) wow so that they all had matching just it was information national lampoon once did a a facsimile high school yearbook and this was kind of a similar thing it was my entire biography fake biography in school documents (laughs) wow which they lost i sent it to the school district and it never surfaced again (laughs) and i was able to get in using four backup documents i had wow so they lost that whole big thing you created do you think it was because they sniffed it out no because i sent it to the wrong place Ah, okay just bureaucracy yeah wow I sent it to the district headquarters, and they get this big, thick manila envelope with a letter saying, this student's coming to your district. And they're like, I don't fucking care. And they stuck it <laughs> in a pile. Wow. Yeah. And the theory you started working on at 21, is that what you are still developing now? or what's, Yeah. Is this a good time to get into that? Do you sure, let's get, do that. I, I, th- I found it really interesting. I still can't wrap my head around it. Um, I, why would I be able to be? To, um, but uh, it's... It, to summarize it, it's an informational processing theory of what the universe is. Yeah, a lot of people, smart people, Wheeler, Ed Fredkin, Conrad Zeus, a, bunch, a series of people over the past 50, 60 years have decided that the universe is a gigantic information processor mm-hmm. for a number of reasons, including that quantum mechanics seems to be very informationy, that it describes how systems behave when they only have a finite amount of information to define themselves define themselves um and i don't know i think my thing takes it a step further which is in your moment-to-moment awareness mm-hmm. you have an information structure you have, well yeah there's information in your awareness from moment to moment i'm saying that that information has a structure and it's probably the same structure and physics as the universe itself and and information in this context is defined what's the easiest way of defining information in this everything that's in your awareness at any given moment information like what you're feeling what you're seeing what you're thinking about outside of what you're seeing if you're driving along it's 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 what you're thinking about while you're driving, plus if somebody is about to T-bone you, all of a sudden your mental landscape shifts and you've got a, a, your what's in your awareness at that point is different from what it was a third of a second ago. Mm-hmm. And you don't know everything you know. You just know that you know it. Like if I said your fourth grade teacher – you probably have some idea now that's in your awareness who she was he was but it wasn't there a second ago mm-hmm. um, but you kind of you know that if somebody asked you that you would probably be able to retrieve it 
Um, so there's a changing mental landscape of, of the information that's under consideration at any given conscious moment. And my guess is that that information landscape has the same structure in physics as the universe itself. At at a at a, at a very micro or at a very macro level or both well, at, a, or, at a much grainier level. Yeah, yeah. It, but that there's something very efficient about three spatial dimensions and something unavoidable about a single time dimension and what looks like a big bang structure can be seen as an informational structure it's like that new yorker cover from 40 years ago the new yorker's view of the world where very detailed for the island of manhattan Mm -hmm. and india is just this lump you know in the distance yeah i i like when i first thought of this i thought about an informational map of going to the bathroom you know a lot about how you go to the bathroom and you know something about how your family and roommates go to the bathroom um, and about how people in America in general go to the bathroom. But then it gets to, you know, China and it's like there's a lot of you don't you have you know, it's weird over there, but you don't know exactly <laughs> how. And then you know absolutely nothing about how aliens excrete waste. Mm-hmm. So I just thought and. You know, if you Google image search information maps, you see a th- you see all sorts of now. You know, I mean, back then you didn't have any of that, but you see things that are where information is aggregated into spatial structures. Mm-hmm. And my guess is the most efficient spatial structure resembles a Big Bang universe. Okay, I, I'm not going to pretend that I that I understand this still, but. Um are you trying to get it to the point where it is a testable yeah. hypothesis where you can punch some one thing in and yeah because otherwise it's, it's not really a theory mm-hmm. <laughs> right well yeah so I how didn't would know it if be you were just going for a philosophy well, for I've been there's a pro, the arrow of time has been a problem in physics for a long time because you know micro physical processes as, as you know are, are all reversible that you drop the cup. It shatters, but there's there's nothing the same way that there's nothing in the rules that says that Airbud can't play football. <laughs> uh, there's nothing in the rules of physics that says that the the shards of, of teacup can't reassemble themselves and jump back on the table. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the rules of microphysics. It's it's all macro with thermodynamics and all that stuff. Right. So entropy but, will. Right. But to go from the micro rules of physics to the statistical rules of physics is is kind of a a problem. But I think the arrow of time resides mostly in photons losing energy across billions of light years. Where, you know, if you shine a flashlight on on your desk, the photon's traveling a foot. Uh Uh-huh. And it's not going to lose any energy until it did to to the Hubble shift until it's you know traversed you know hundreds of millions billions of light years. Um, but most photons do that because only a trillionth of the night sky is covered with star disks. In other words, there's Olber's paradox, which is why isn't the night sky completely lit up? 
which it would be in an infinite randomly distributed universe. Oh, that's like a good being, point. Yeah. Like, like being in a forest, if the forest goes on forever and the trees are planted randomly, wherever you shoot an arrow, you're going to eventually hit a tree. Mm-hmm. So this is something that Edgar Allan Poe was the first guy to solve, which is crazy. But um, he said, well, all right, it's got to be a finite universe that's existed for a finite amount of time. Otherwise, and, th- there would be the equivalent of a, a star wherever you shoot that arrow in the, in the sky. Yeah. So, yeah. But only a trillionth of the sky, not counting the sun, is covered with stars, which means that most photons just go and go and go, and they don't hit any matter. Mm-hmm. And those photons that go on for 5 billion, 10 billion years, they end up losing all this you know, most of their energy to space. And that, that's, that's a process that's accepted and doesn't have to interact with any matter for energy to be lost. It's, it's an Yeah, they lose it to the curvature of space. Okay. It's just, it's the redshift. And that's not a reversible process. Mm-hmm. And in, an, in my view of the information framework, that is the lost energy is information. That... For a photon to be emitted, there has to be a relationship formed or strengthened between a couple of other particles, an electron and a proton. You know, you, you, you get photons emitted when via fusion, but it's, which is, you know, protons smushing together and teaming up in nuclei. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this wave as a photon travels outward and it may or may not cause a disturbance elsewhere. That disturbance is that photon being absorbed, Mm -hmm. which is, in an informational sense, I think, the the emitted photon says, hey, these two things got together. Anybody have a problem with that? And if no, then the wave spreads outward, and and the universe kind of tacitly understands that this relationship exists or it's a it's absorbed and that reflects that the change in state here is is caused a change in state elsewhere but most photons get away in an irreversible i think increase in order increase in order yeah so entropy doesn't imply a decrease in order by this definition, sort of. Or, I think that all the, your that open systems can have negentropy, or however you pronounce it, which is they can increase in order because they can shed waste heat. I think that the center of the universe, the the you know the, the ten billion light year radius or whatever that where all the stuff is happening, all the this you know, ten to the twenty second stars fusing, I think may be able to shed waste heat this way and increase order by sharing information via the energy being lost by photons. Is that a controversial stance? I don't know, because <laughs> I mean, probably, yeah. There's probably like <laughs> 80 reasons why it's stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you talk about, in, in, the, in the sample book you sent me, about uh, on being a crackpot or on the, the potential of, of being seen as one and how one gets past that if you came from outside of a traditional 
academic system and have these kinds of theories like how are you trying to get into the academic world with with your ideas well eventually i want to sell my memoir about 10 years in high school Uh and i want to put the theory in the book like five percent of the book will be physics if you want to read it i might sidebar it so you can skip it if you don't want if you only want to read about like bad stripping Um, (laughs) uh, and that way i just want a trojan horse the freaking theory yeah I'm working with a, a guy in Canada, a co-author on this stuff, and we put out little Amazon ebooks that are not bought by anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that information is not being absorbed by anyone. <laughs> no, any no, as of yet, it's just going and going and going and, and not increasing order anymore. <laughs> no increased in in orders. Yeah. <laughs> No, I, but I did buy two copies for you guys, so it has had. I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, those I might be that. the only <laughs> copies <laughs> sold. The, the, the only two people uh, collapsing the wave packet of uh, <laughs> observing the ebook. Some of the things I like most in it were your theories about what the next hundred years are going to bring for our culture and about uh, the singularity and, and post-humanism yeah. or whatever the word for that. I'll call it a slow singularity because okay. the the, the singular people who believe in the singularity it, it's kind of a, it's got aspects of religiousness to it yeah to people who strongly believe in it think that by the year 2040 or 2045 ai will solve every problem and grant all our wishes Mm -hmm. and i think that like most science fictiony predictions most of what it predicts will happen it'll just take a lot longer yeah but it'll still eventually come you just think it it's it's crazy to me that people aren't just freaking out because it's the end of the human world. Should we take a step back and talk about exactly what it is and what it entails? Okay. And I should note I'm freaking out. <laughs> all, right, all right. So the the singularity, it's it's been popularized mostly by Ray Kurzweil, mm-hmm. who says that the curve of of technology is gonna go to infinity in a finite amount of time that when ai gets is able to rejigger itself and make itself smarter and smarter that he calls it some kind of double exponential or something else but anyway the curve gets so steep that anything we ever wanted to know or do becomes possible in the 2040s Mm-hmm. And that you can think of it as an event horizon beyond which there's no way for our current puny brains to right. even begin to like, imagine it, what's on the well, other side of it. It's a, it's a horizon between reasonable science fiction and shitty science fiction, <laughs> where reasonable is like the movie Her, where the guy falls in love with his phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. That's like five, ten years in the future, and... Spike Jones is like, all right, in the five, ten years, people's pants are going to be hot. <laughs> and everybody's going to work in a cool office. And these, this seems like a reasonable set of predictions. Yeah. And architecture is going to be really cool because we went to Singapore to shoot it. Um, <laughs> but then you go further into the future, and the, the only – the, the cheap and easy way to do it is apocalypse. You just go out to right. to Zizix Road on the way to, to, to <laughs> Vegas, and you. Yeah, uh, um, it's really hard to figure out what a complete world 
post-singularity would be like because everything yeah. is going to be freaking different. It's going to be the pace of technology will and, increase. And robot so butlers and girlfriends times a million. Yeah, <laughs> they call it what do they call it? The the awakening of the planet or everything. The, the Earth wakes up because everything's going to have a smart chip in it. Like sidewalks are going to have be chipped and they're going to report on how many people walk on them, and so you can do city planning better and and you know it, all your appliances are going to be talking to you and some of them will you know be fun friends to have you will have <laughs> uploaded your consciousness into your fridge before you left your house to right, begin like, the cooking uh, process anyway yeah. yeah and you might be fucking your fridge if if it's hot <laughs> enough yeah and, and sex Which robot brings fridge. us to again you're talking about like what is consciousness well I think all this stuff happens when you math come up with a mathematization of consciousness. Also, one more thing. Zuckerberg says that he wants Facebook to eventually be telepathic. Do you want that? Well, I just think it's gonna <laughs> something like that will happen. Instead of sending pictures of cats and brunches and sunsets, you will send the picture along with the emotions that you felt when you saw the sunset, and other people will be able to feel an abridged version of that emotion. I think that's what he's talking about. Is that why he changed the like button, so now there's five options? Yeah, <laughs> it, that's, that's just it, the beginning. It's step one. There's yeah. a love, a dislike. Yeah. There's, a fr- there's an angry. There's a, there's a wow, yeah. an angry, and a sad. Yeah. Maybe he thinks that's what telepathy is. Maybe he's just not as smart as we're giving it <laughs> credit for. Those are the only, yeah, those are his emotions. Means, Mark. <laughs> and telekinesis is where, like, it's animated, right? Ooh, telekinetic Facebook would be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. It closes your laptop for you. <laughs> You've had enough of this. It'll never do that. No. It'll be the yeah. other way around. Well, what do you think about, there's going to be backlash. Do you think there are going to be these big Luddite communities that will just oh, yeah. be off Absolutely. the grid completely? Yeah, and, total uh, bio-organic. Yeah, I th- the people will have to kind of choose the level of Amish they want to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it, it's all coming, and people are not shitting their pants. Wait, why, be, see, interestingly, I am not shitting my pants because I thought her was the most accurate depiction of it where... It seems like an AI wouldn't. It wouldn't even serve them to go Matrix style and destroy us or make us batteries. As much as they would just get disinterested with us, like they did in her, you know, which isn't as scary necessarily. Except we are going to become our own robot overlords. The, the smartest things on the planet will be us, plus like biocircuitry and brain buddies, and you know every. Not only will every cop be walking around with a, a chest cam, everybody will be walking around with a camera that just records every freaking moment yeah um, yeah you could re- you'll be able to reproduce in three dimensions any event that happened yeah, around we'll, you and we're, we're gonna get all borged up right <laughs> and then Re- resistance is futile i mean they're not wrong i've got my little fitness bracelet that you know tells me how many steps i took and and eventually this bracelet will tell you you know blood levels of stuff and what to eat and eventually the bracelet will just stick you with like metformin when you're after you've had a meal to stop an insulin spike mm-hmm. you, you already have like three million people with computers in them now pacemakers cochlear implants right right do you think uh it's conceivable that we will live to so by this definition of the singularity is that also the point where death becomes optional for whatever reason or at least that you can extend life for long enough you'll get to the point that- yeah that the, the, what kurzweil wants to live to not forever but to the point where for every year you live medical science gives you an extra year mm-hmm. and it's it's reasonable to imagine that that medicine in the next 30 40 years will solve most of the major problems of that kill you mm-hmm. and and um 
Is that the secret, or is the secret offloading your consciousness altogether? Well, yeah, it's going to be a competition. I, I know a couple of the guys who are like trying to get Alcor, the place where you get your head frozen, mm-hmm. on a on a reasonable footing, because it's kind of been an amateur operation. Do they, do they currently have frozen heads at Elcor? Is it? Yeah, they've, they've done like 100 people. Okay. And you can go online and you can read the case histories, and they're all really sad because something almost always goes wrong. As in, in they know for a fact this head cannot be... They well, still have them like on One ice, of the things that goes wrong is a sheriff or a coroner's like, whoa, what's this? This is weird, freezy bullshit. Well, you're going to have to take it to a judge. And by the time the four days pass, for oh, the no. you know grandma's turned to mush. Also, you go before the judge when the white trash family says, "Oh, we found this will. Grandma changed her mind. She doesn't want to be frozen." And then goes before the judge, and the judge says, "This is written in pencil." Freeze grandma, but it's been four days, and she's, she's thawed out. They've had yeah. to turn off the power while it's been. Well, they just you know, it's just. You read the case. Okay, it's interesting. I didn't know that this was a thing that was still being done right now. That it was openly being done. I thought it was a thing that was... Yeah, no, there's of- a, a steady trickle. Um, um, Simon Cowell is the only celebrity who's come out and said that he's going to have this done. Wow. I thought, so is it, hang on, is I, the rumor that Walt Disney was frozen, is that... Just a rumor, yeah. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. the real truth is he never died. That's absolutely yeah. correct. He, he lives is, on in our hearts. Yeah. And he, he's, in that he's, castle. He's, he's, he, his brain powers the uh, animatronic Martin Van Buren in the <laughs> Hall of Presidents. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Speaking of Disney, you guys hear DuckTales reboot coming back. DuckTales reboot. They, 2017. They froze Watch McDuck's it. head <laughs> in the last episode of the previous incarnation of DuckTales, and they'll reanimate him. He spent the entire vault of coins on that. It was worth it. <laughs> How? So, so it, it'll be kind of... Uh, there will be competing technologies. There will be the technologies that keep your body going. Uh-huh. There will be the freezy technology, I, which I don't know. I think the other stuff will, before that's f- viable, I think other technology will probably beat it out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's the, the downloading deal, which you can't do until you have a mathematical theory of, of consciousness, mm-hmm. which I think is common. And, yeah. and then once you get to that point, does that scare you? Because the thing that scares me most is just uh, once you get too, once you figure out too much what consciousness is, then you start to get. If you can download your consciousness to something else, what is that consciousness going to enjoy? Because there's no more, there's no more, there's no more ups and downs to life. There's no more needs to be filled. Therefore, what do you do? Do you just well, you can rejigger your needs. You'll we'll have more control over our drives. For instance, like. There are some couples where one half of the couple just blows up and hits 400 pounds. And it causes a lot of pain in that relationship. Uh-huh. And how much better would it be instead of like having the resentful spouse and the guilty spouse if you could just rejigger your sex drive so you think 400 pounds is the most boner-inducing thing you have ever seen. <laughs> Great point. That yeah. is good. My girlfriend's parents, uh, when they got Careful together, <laughs> they decided a divorce weight. <laughs> they they predetermined a divorce weight. They they each told each other, uh, we can each gain one pound per year. If and if we exceed that, you're that is in your rights grounds to, for, for ooh, divorce. Is there an annual weigh-in? <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a daily weigh-in. Yeah, like the, the, somebody's in the sauna and spitting, <laughs> wearing garbage now, bags. I'm going to say that's horrendously unhealthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's psychologically. That's, uh, that's, yeah. 
But they're and both living on borrowed time, at least, equally. So they <laughs> they're both doing it. Together. And they're both violating that together. Yeah, and the like, mystery is having... It was a thing they came up with early that they haven't really stuck to, but okay. that they both... The whatever, yeah. the, however far they've gone past it, they've gone past it together. Let's encourage each other's <laughs> psychosis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, if if you are fully uploaded, does that mean you could have like a save game point in yeah. your life? Yeah, just oh, go like ah, I wish I hadn't said that now. Yeah, just gonna that thing about talking just about gonna cancel parents. out and go back yeah, to the beginning yeah, of that yeah, conversation. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the, I think one of the sadder things is going to be when we realize the consciousness is kind of crap. What does that mean, though? Well, evolution wants us to live long enough to reproduce. So it wants us very interested in the events in our own lives. So I think that consciousness kind of does a Michael Bay number on our, the, our everyday experience. It, it jazzes it up and makes us think that everything's kind of awesome with us, very important. Because otherwise, we quit giving a shit, we walk into traffic, and we get smashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think once consciousness is fully decoded, the threadbareness and kind of not-greatness and arbitrary string-pulling of biology will be more apparent. How It's just survival instinct gussied up. Yeah, like, like, like we're inter- why we're interested in butts. <laughs> Butts have yeah. just a lot, a lot of information about health and fertility. <laughs> right. Same with boobs and red lips and symmetrical features. But that doesn't right. mean that the their value doesn't isn't still valid. I mean, you could a biologist can break down. Uh, thanks, next door neighbor gardening. We break for this might be. Let's take a little break. So uh, Ray Kurzweil uh, was uh, I was fascinated by him because uh, I'm all into the singularity and he was the latest guest on Star Talk and you're saying you had an autograph I met him once he signed my vitamins he takes about 150 to 200 supplements a day oh he has to work he, a lot harder to stick around till the singularity he wants to live yeah yeah and so I take about 70 a day and I brought him my tray of vitamins and had him sign it wow the tray nice. you take how many per day about 70. And is what? that also with the goal of making it to the point that you that death will become optional? Uh, well, yeah, plus just there's a lot of cool stuff in the future. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I yeah. just want to see the future. But, <laughs> but when you talk about consciousness, just doubling back to when you said consciousness might be less potent, isn't it? Okay, so if, you, if, a, if a biologist or someone can put you in a fMRI scanner and see which bits of the brain light up when you eat candy... That doesn't mean that that candy isn't still nice or a good thing. It doesn't still mean that you're not still gaining pleasure from that if you can go, all right, well, putting that in your body makes these receptors light up. That's true, but for most of the history of humanity, we had consciousness because we had been tapped on the head by God, and it was a special mystical thing. I think consciousness is a technical property of broadband information sharing among the brain's subsystems. Mm-hmm. And that's just less magical. I think I hear religious people say that when they're like anti-science or whatever. But to me, it's more magical. Like I find that more affirming of what's great about life than thinking, well, it's up to some outside force who could take it away. Or but who that's could also the publicist that is your consciousness telling you that consciousness itself is good. That's true. And maybe there's no and that's value. That's the survival instinct there, right? Where yeah. it, it it would not behoove you not to think that way. You wouldn't be sitting here. You wouldn't have made it this far if there was an instinct to not think that the consciousness that's reporting on itself, right. isn't that special. Yeah. And I think that's right. beautiful. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> once we once we learn to tweak consciousness, we can make consciousness more awesome. But it'll still be a completely materialist. 
consciousness. Mm-hmm. It won't be, I don't know, frickin' Descartes, I think, had two different worlds, the you know the, the material world and the, the mental world and stuff. And um, just uh, putting everything on a material basis may be a little disappointing to some people. Material basis meaning, as in, like, once we download our our consciousnesses, we still have to put back in the material drives because that's what makes consciousness interesting? I mean, interesting, just that, that we understand that every... And I think people inherently understand consciousness better now than ever before because of working with our devices. Uh-huh. Where it, there are a lot of analogies between the way our brains work and the way our apps work you're mm-hmm. you're opening windows closing windows porting information between them it just uh, it, it makes things a lot more clear than you know plato in his cave uh-huh. Uh-huh. so and then it, everyone's gonna be more ready for these transitions when they come yeah but it, there's still a little bit of, of of we're just you know fancy bio robot disappointment there maybe <laughs> kurzweil also did make an interesting point about how these won't these seem like shocking things as we predict about specific points in the future but we're so used to our devices now like because everything moves so incrementally you know it's not going to be one day hit us over the head it's just going to be yeah, yeah exactly i mean there's a few moments i'm sure when things hit you over the head of like wow we've made great strides like when i saw the trailer for toy story the first time yeah. i'm like holy crap computers are right, making right. movies now this is a this, this is a game changer and it was but there's very few of those moments most of them are are incremental enough that it just seems natural because it's natural systems that well, it, it's fun to them. to get rid of that incremental whenever i see a movie i'm like wow this would be so much more awesome if this were 1980 right yeah. or taking the movie titanic <laughs> and showing it to people on the titanic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think about the summers when the the big special effects movie was coming was going to be coming out how much i would anticipate just one movie in the summer of 90 or 91 and the, how um, yeah and the, any movie coming out now that's straight to video has effects that would have blown away 13 year old like Jurassic Park having a scene with movement and CG at the same right, time right was yeah. or Bill Hicks talking in his Terminator 2 bit going like they'll never make special effects better than this <laughs> is that a, <laughs> it's a line in it yeah the- it goes on to the bit about unless they start using terminally ill people as stuntmen <laughs> that's the bit I think that but he's wrong you'll he's be totally able to do yeah, that though wrong. you'll be able to, in yeah. the future stuntmen will be able to lose actual limbs and they'll just grow them back Right. Yeah. Wow. Um, so what? Are, what is the evidence? For, what are the vitamins? Or like obviously, you don't. We're not going to get you to list all seventy. But what kind of things do you take, and what's the actual evidence for them? Well, my favorite is metformin, which is a drug for diabetics. It okay. makes you use insulin more efficiently. And I don't have diabetes, but it's good for regular people too. Mm-hmm. Di- basically, over your lifespan, the sugar that you eat helps slow cook you and diabetics have more circulating sugar so they cook faster you get crunchy you get that nice browning that makes turkey skin crunchy and you don't I thought that was the oven that's we, we're, like we are actual. an oven we're an oven that runs at 98.6 degrees uh-huh and if there's sugar like the in slowest you, cooked texas barbecue of all time yeah it's like 90 year cook so you that want to keep tasty. the sugar way down so there's nothing to cook in a crunchy way and you your stuff stays flexible Okay. Um, so I like that stuff. And that's over the counter, or do you have to find some hookup? No, you got to buy a gray market from India or someplace. With bitcoins or something, or what? Well, it just there. There's a huge 
pharma, you know, overseas pharmaceutical market. Is there some subreddit for uh, life-extending vitamins? Uh, I don't think so. Oh. Um, or you can talk to your doctor. Do you, if, if you're ordering um, that kind of thing from gray market, though, do you get it tested for? The deal is they sell it to Americans for so much more than they sell it in India. Mm-hmm. Like the stuff I take to keep my hair mm-hmm. goes for about three cents a pill in India and like 77 cents a pill mm-hmm. for Americans. What's the, this stuff called now? I'm not taping this. To <laughs> right there. Keep, we'll keep your hair Any, pill. Anything where you see old men going to the bathroom a lot, commercials, the <laughs> pill that makes your prostate blow up, I mean that unblows up your prostate, also saves your hair. Avidart. Propecia, Proscar, are these, they block a form of testosterone. Oh, the, yeah, Propecia the, I've heard about. For yeah, sure. that kills your hair. Oh, yeah, yeah, nobody at this table except me. Oh, no, I've, well, I'm no, you're still super pretty. thinning right front. All right, well, yeah. I, I'm receding. All right, well, yeah. I can tell you the pills to take. Okay. <laughs> We'll go over that later for sure. So you're also, uh, I don't know, I, I know this from the interview, again, that I, that I saw of yours. I hope it's okay to talk about it. Um, you're, you're a bit of a, a gym addict also? Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty OCD. I go to five gyms a day. And how does, how does that work? Were you on a TV I dating was. show about that? Was, Not a dating show. No, what, no it was, was called the, Obsessed, and it was... I've seen this I was, episode. I, that episode, I I it was me you. and the lady who yes. is so afraid of pooping that she sticks a toothbrush up her butt. Oh. Yeah, tooth cheap, cheap. Every day, she just toothbrush brushes out her butt. She just she takes just the dirtiness of poo. She'll oh. take yeah. like a two-hour oh. shower. And, yeah, and it's yeah, bleeding and raw. And, oh, God, that's amazing. I've seen this episode, absolutely. Uh, I knew yes. I was recognizing yeah. something. It's weird when someone, you find out someone does the same thing as you, but for different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So I, you, you currently go to the gym five times a day. Well, it used to be eight times a day before I went on the show, and they fixed me because they team me up with a shrink. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And L.A., is it's nice. Everybody's so maniacal about working out here that you can just go – Gym to gym to gym to gym. There's there's usually another gym within a mile or two of, of the gym you're at. Uh-huh. Right. So how did you work out the memberships for all of them? So you're not breaking the bank on that. Well, um, t- LA Fitness eight bally's, uh-huh. and that means three of the gyms I go to are, are LA Fitness. And okay. oh, so you I, just go to different LA Fitnesses because yeah, they're, yeah they're and then I go apart. to the Y because my wife has a family membership there. Mm-hmm. Then I go to Gold's and my LA Fitness membership is twenty five bucks a year because they used to have the further back in time you signed up for Bally's, uh-huh. the cheaper the deal you got. And I managed to piggyback on my father in law's deal because he signed up in the seventies when it was twenty five bucks a year. <laughs> wow, wow. Incredible. Grandfather did. Are you afraid they're gonna hear you talk about this and somehow be able to uh, No, they seem to be okay with it. <laughs> yeah. You're still going five times a day right now. Yeah. But for how long each time? Ten, twelve the big one is is probably thirty five minutes. Okay. So is it mostly for the change of pace where if you stayed in one you wouldn't be motivated to keep uh... It's mostly the math of it. Okay, okay. Why I'm, am I trying to I'm super mathy. I have a tattoo that says born to do math. Wow. But I like being able to tell myself that I went to five gyms today. Right, right. And I went to thirty seven gyms this week or and I went to twenty one hundred gyms this year. Yeah, yeah. Or worked out that many times. Is it a coincidence that 5 and 37 are both prime numbers? Am I reading too much into that? Uh, probably. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but who knows this informational structure of the universe? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So that combined with the pills is part of that. Are you hoping to make it to, if, even if it's not 2040, whatever that date is, that we, that you can, that death will be optional? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the goal? Yeah. 
And then you're not worried about once you're there realizing, as we might all, that this consciousness thing isn't that special. Like, well, I mean, I, I kind of already know that it's bullshit, but it, <laughs> it, it feels good to exist. It would be yes, it feels better to not. Well, but does it? Because it doesn't feel to not exist at all. So, well, I mean, I mean, that's that's a mm-hmm. huge question. Whether if you're keeping score, can you? Is there keeping score when everything eventually ceases to exist? Yeah, yeah. But for right now, it, it's nice to exist. And no matter how miserable other things get, you know, you can always beat off. <laughs> as long as you're alive, you can always, yeah. That's what my tattoo says. <laughs> uh, so what, what did the, the therapist on the Obsessed TV show help you with? What have you changed since then? I've changed that I used to go to the gym eight, seven, eight, ten times a day. Now okay. I only go five. Getting it down to five. Would the therapist be okay with that? No, or? he was still, he was pissed. He wanted, <laughs> uh, he wanted you down to one maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I got my heroin and crack down to just heroin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one, I mean, if you're wow. going to have a habit, it, it, it's, it's... One of the better ones, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the, but I can see how he might... God damn it! What what are they doing? Wow. What could be happening next door that keeps that's that's a leaf blower, right? This yeah, is the worst it's been. Uh, it's this timing. Just when we get the equipment fixed, right? Now it's just Finally. now, it's now we got a different. We're importing a buzz from next door now. Like next door neighbors coming by with a buzz, an unremovable buzz. Okay, uh, it seems like it's dying down. Is it? I don't know. Also, well, Rick, you don't know. We're trying to figure out who these neighbors are because they're renting. The, oh, the house just sold last that's summer. Never good. No, they're renting, but they're renting for a lot. Like, it's sold for uh, 50% over what they were asking, but the buyer is not living in it. They're renting it out temporarily, and oh. the, the scuttlebutt is it's a, a, quote, big movie star. Oh, okay. I don't, but we don't know who it is yet. All I ever see is the children and nannies and things, so uh, ah. got to figure we, it out. You see, so you're doing next-door neighbor CSI. We've been doing that with our new dog. Oh, okay. Where, based on, she's like two and a half, and so she's got all these well-established habits and based on what she likes, we figured out that she came from, an, she was living in an apartment. Okay. She, her, her people were, spoke Spanish. Oh. There was a baby who went out in a stroller and treats for the dog were kept in the, that bottom pocket of the stroller. Oh, uh-huh. because every time it, a stroller it approaches comes other by, strollers, yes, goes for the bottom pocket. Okay. And the Spanish thing is because? Because uh, when she hears Spanish, she gets, she freezes and it's the most awesome thing in the world for her oh interesting see i i think we should hire a private detective to work it out and that's just because i really want to hire a private detective it's, i've never done because you can just do it you can just you do can it just i was do just it. looking at i just google private detective los angeles there's a lot of them oh my god yelp has reviews well, i wonder if this would even be like a pro bono just to prove how good he is because like all i want is one piece of information a name you know and that advertise them here on probably yeah. science I'll do you have you, little I'll give you 50 bucks to find out who it is do you have any tidbits of I'll information about who I, it might be one time a package uh, no one was here to sign for a package that i ordered and they dropped it off next door I was like oh this is perfect i now i have to go over there and knock on the door introduce myself grab the package um, so I met I met the woman of the house. I know her first name. Um, and then without being any more prying, I couldn't figure out a way to... Like, I asked where they'd moved from, um, how, how how long ago they'd moved, how are you liking it? Like, there was no good way to be like, what's your story? What kind of, <laughs> you, you need to... <laughs> what movies is your husband being in? Right, right. Just right. get a bunch of, like, $5 packages delivered and just never be here for them. Yeah, I just keep having to go over there and having these conversations. Yeah, I get, I overshared about our situation, but then didn't get oversharing in return. Well, here's, here's one of the. I'm just looking up some Yelp reviews for a, this is a private eye in Encino, and one of the reviews is a. Uh, my son is a university student in Los Angeles. I hadn't heard from him in a long while and became concerned because we used to previously cons- 
communicate on the phone on Facebook quite regularly. Blah, blah, blah. Came worried when his Facebook account became inactive for over two weeks. He wasn't answering my phone calls. Hey, that sounds worrying. So I got Rafi's phone number from a mutual friend. This Rafi's the private eye. Mm-hmm. It took Rafi about five days to find out that my son had moved out from his apartment to live with a few fellow students, but he didn't bother to let me know and forgot to call me on the phone. I was happy to find out that he was okay, and they even showed me a videotape of him walking around on campus with friends and acting completely <laughs> happily and normal. I was happy to see that he was okay. That I, I was so happy to see he was okay that I totally forgave him for not telling me about his move and not making contact with me for such a long time, making me worry. I'd like to thank them. So, oh, but that, that, that doesn't explain the Facebook. Still, that doesn't explain yeah, like, yeah, something's yeah. wrong there. But I still think we should hire a private detective. And hey, we should use... We could use some donation money to do that. We could use that donation money, there's been, indeed. There's been a lot of people we need to thank. It's been a month. Because so. it's been a month since we last recorded. Uh, you can donate at probablyscience.com and hit the donate tab and donate through there. There's quite a few people have set up recurring donations uh, that have come through in the time we've been around. Some of them come through more than once because it's been such a while since we last got to thank everyone. So thank you very much to Peter Long, Justin Broad. Uh, that's a ver- super generous every month from Justin. Uh, David Worths, Kate uh, Lubiak, even more gen- generous Kate, uh, Paolo Saez Navarro, Linda Moulton, I think even our most generous monthly donation. Thank yeah. you, Linda. Um, James Cox, Madison Martinez, Murphy Shane, John Waltz, Quip Source, uh, Brooks Gilmore, Ben Marriott, Tony Johansson, Emma Wilton, Alexandra Dore, Matthew Arnold, Paul Freeland, Caroline Laco, Lindsay Eisenman, Anderson Jones, James Casson, Pandora Young. Thank you so much, all of you, for your, your monthly donations. Oh, uh, Rebecca oh, sorry, Thornhill. Rebecca Thornhill, and Robert, Robert Howley. Howley, and Michael Parsons. Michael uh, Parsons with a one-off donation. Thank you very much for that. And Aquariel Singer, um, who just graduated with a pretty shite bachelor's in biological science and just realized after four years that uh, they do, in fact, like science after all and miss it. So they've binged on the podcast. I, I'm saying they because I'm not sure about the gen. I'm guessing this is a woman. This is a woman. Yes? Um, yes. She has binged on the podcast for the last three weeks. So thank you. Uh, Ryan Gerardo. Yeah, Ryan Gerardo, who's, a, who's an esports journalist. We talked about esports a while ago. Apparently there's been nearly $200 million uh, in prices alone, not including salaries, advertising, ticket sales, and other revenue. God damn. Last year alone, esports economic impacts were greater than the GDP of the Ukraine. <laughs> uh, esports do have serious physical barriers of entry. Consider how reaction time is a physical trait. That makes sense. Physical fitness is a predictor of nerve conduction velocity, and if you look at esports champions, you'll notice the majority of them appear in pretty good shape. This is defending it. This being is defending a real sport. But yeah, like, you can make the same sort of arguments for all kinds of things that then don't go into the Olympics just because they have a physical component. Yeah, but I think when it comes to, I think most esports, when it's a combination of hand-eye coordination, reaction time, uh, like that's a lot of what any other sport has. It's physical movement timed very accurately. There's a guy, a doctor named Amen down in Orange County who does PET scans on healthy people versus unhealthy people's brains. Uh-huh. And you get healthy and your brain lights up like much more. I'm sure. And yeah. you see it in traffic. You look at, at unhealthy drivers and a lot of times they look very eye glazed out of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's one of those things that people don't want to hear because it's uh, counter to... Like the fact that exercise works so well for treating depression, you know, but yeah. like it's now it's a thing that you're not, you know what I mean? Like there's like mm-hmm. a, it's elitist to imply that you should do that. Not that people shouldn't take whatever drugs they need also, but uh, yeah. yeah it, hey, it breaking news. Two donations just came in today. What? Both of which very generous donations. Uh, really generous donation from... 
that can't brain pickings. That can't be a real name. Brain. Is that someone called oh, brain pickings? Yeah, that's, that's the, a that's name the of only a George Carlin we book. Have. Right. So the George Carlin right, no, book Brain, brain Pickings has donated. Sorry, brain yeah. droppings. Oh yeah, that's true. Has donated that's and an even generous. more generous Jeez. donation from that just came through in the time we've been recording from Sheila Carty. So thank you, Sheila. That was incredibly all right. Nice of you, both of you. Um, so thank you, everyone who's donated at ProbablyScience.com. The other way you can help us out financially, if you're shopping on Amazon from either the UK, the US, or Canada, go to our link first. Mm-hmm. There's a different link for each of those countries, and you just click through that link to Amazon first. Why not set that as your bookmark on your web browser of choice, and then you won't ever have to remember it. It'll autocomplete with it. And then we get a little commission. It costs you no extra. And the other way you can help us out is by spreading the word. Tell people, tweet, write nice things about us on iTunes. Uh, I I had another check recently, and you guys have written such really lovely reviews and given us loads of five-star ratings, and that really helps boost us in the rankings. So we really appreciate all of those and the nice things you've said on iTunes and also on Stitcher and the other things that you can review us on. So Mm. thank you. We really appreciate that. And we particularly appreciate the donations. Yes, very much so. Um, so there's, there's one thing that we haven't talked about that's a major part of your career and actually fits in perfectly with this podcast is you are also a comedy writer and have been for uh, decades now. Yeah. And you got into it. It was your first job on remote control. Yeah. Which I was a huge fan of. The yeah. 80s uh, MTV. Or was it early 90s? Was it, it late was, 80s? The first season was 87 or 88. And how did you get into that world? I just graduated high school at 27. <laughs> I was in New York City looking for art modeling jobs, and at Fordham they had a flyer up said they needed 18-year-olds to come play the game for a run-through for this a thing MTV had in development. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I get to be 18 again. So I, I, I put on my rich. Uh, did you have Did you have fake ID? With that oh yeah, no, I had the the yeah. full fake wallet, com- including you know the the high school condom in case you ever got lucky. And um, that wasn't I wasn't I wasn't trying to bone high school girls at twenty six and twenty seven. That wouldn't have been ethical. But I or needed the, uh, I needed the 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 condom for authenticity. But it would right. be ethical to uh, try and bone. Like twenty-six-year-old women who are posing as high school girls to do high school again for the to oh, get it right. Wow. Oh yeah, I've got I've got a, a, a counterpart. Yeah. I've got a, a movie idea called Vampire Narc about two people who shouldn't be. Um, it's a three hundred-year-old vampire and a you know twenty-five-year-old narc, and they. It's not a real real. Oh, but they're both in high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I like it. And also, you know, I, I felt somewhat comfortable, like. You know, considering the teachers, mm-hmm. you felt comfortable like asking out the teacher. What do you mean? No, like, just thinking about yeah, that that teacher's pretty. You know, I can consider her cute because she's my age. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but nothing happened. <laughs> so then you so went out to be a, a contestant for Mo Control. Yeah, and I, I played all stupid the way I thought an MTV contestant should be, and they liked me. They had me back. I'd never been around professionally funny people, and it was awesome. Uh-huh. Um, so I said, can I work for you guys, and you don't have to pay me? And turns out MTV runs on interns. I, I forged <laughs> more letterhead that said I was getting college credit. I, was, I became a fact checker. Um, head writer kind of fell in love with the other fact checker. When you're... Fact-checking questions, in you end up writing questions because you run into good facts that would make mm. nice questions. Yeah. So he, we were both made um, writers, and just it kind of went from there. Did you and ever then, write any stud boy bits? 
Adam I, Sandler. <laughs> I almost got to be. No, did I? I don't think I got to be. Yeah, I did. I got to write Stud Boy a little bit. This but is, I, this I is got Adam to write, Sandler's first TV thing, right? Yeah, I, I got to write trivia delinquent. Uh huh. Um, which was another Sandler oh, character. Oh, okay. And I almost got to be trivia delinquent, but they, oh. they went back and forth between me and Sandler oh, like five gosh. times. Wow. And um, so, I got shingles from the stress of, of almost being trivia delinquent. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Wow. <laughs> that really the- would have been a good... You re- really would have enjoyed that, like the notoriety oh, of yeah, being yeah. actually on MTV. Uh, yeah, it was... Oh, I, that, the, the job only paid like two, three hundred dollars a week, so I still had to like nude model when i wasn't writing questions and yeah be a real stud boy <laughs> kinda but i had shingles and i got a job posing at the like the for a class at the at the aids crisis center new york <laughs> which was really sad because only in retrospect because i get up there with this massive case of shingles and i said oh no it's just you know it's just shingles but like shingles was part of the is part of an aids thing and and like so oh, wow oh. I don't know if you even want to leave this in. No, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> people assume that you that they had picked you because you were in like. No, but I think I doing- think that they assumed that 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 I was part of that whole cohort, uh-huh. and this was just a sad manifestation of that. Yeah, yeah. Well, which you know isn't the greatest thing to dr- draw your mortality for th- for three hours. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's got to wow. be a sad reminder. Yeah, yeah. So then after remote control, well, after was- remote control, it's like oh well. Getting a job in TV is easy, yeah. <laughs> and so there was five, there five years of nothing. So eventually, I partnered up with somebody I met on remote control, and we met Jimmy when we were all three little baby clients at William Morris. And he saw just enough of uh, my writing partner and me to think we were funny without seeing how dysfunctional we were, <laughs> <laughs> and that that led to employment eventually. How did you squeeze working a full-time TV job? Those things suck up a lot of hours and still go to the gym at that point. How many times a day were you going to the gym? Uh, I, I had a weight machine next to my desk. At, at the- <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so they, everyone knew you were a workout fiend. Yeah. That, that was just part of well, yeah, quirky so personality. That was one or two workouts a day. And then just on the way to work, then at work, mm. then after work, then on the way home from work. Okay. Did you inspire other people to, hey, yeah, right, I mean, let's get in shape, too? When people think of, of TV writers, I think they still think of the 70s when everybody was just coked out of their minds. Yeah, they yeah. don't think of health. But yeah. now everybody's healthy. Everybody, we had, like, fiber gummies on our desks. Mm-hmm. So, because sitting all day writing jokes, you get, you know, you need some fiber. Right. Yeah. And we we had, I somebody else had, like, barbells and and. I find that happens like season or halfway through the season or season two when I've done jobs in a writer's room. The beginning, everyone gets really excited because there's free food constantly. (laughs) Particularly in America, like in in British writers rooms, there's if you've got a good producer, there's free biscuits. That's the way it goes. There's like a cookie bowl and some fruit. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, but in America, there's just like as much food of every sort as you want. So at the beginning, you're like, ah, I'm basically losing money if I don't have all of this. <laughs> and then, it, and then suddenly, about six weeks into the job, there's a point where everyone starts doing press ups. Like yeah. everyone's like, why is everyone doing like crunches in the middle of like <laughs> making up for the last six? Yeah, weeks. everyone's like, everyone's horrified because they have been half as active as they normally are. <laughs> yeah, the- and twice as much junk food. We had a pretty fit. I like to think that. 
the the people I worked with could beat up any other writing staff in TV. <laughs> Which isn't a huge yeah. ask. <laughs> no, but there's, you know, there's like 200 shows, and some of them are about sports. So you'd think that, <laughs> you know, they, some of them might have an ex-NFL guy or two. Right, right. The other thing that people might know you from, uh, if you don't mind talking about this for just a second, is the uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire yes. experience that, that sucked up some of your time for a while. Well, it was really bad luck to give a factually flawed question to somebody with OCD. Yeah. And by the way, I have your back on this question. As, as a trivia writer myself for a little while, I would have never written a question. It's, it was basically the, the subtlety between... Um, what is and which of these is and giving four answers where no one of them is the actual absolute, but you're phrasing it in the way that you would phrase an absolute question, which is what, what is the highest elevation capital city instead of which of these is? Well, the deal is that they made a, that just shows the, the factual error that they made. They were looking for the world's highest national capital, mm -hmm. which is La Paz, Bolivia. And they missed it. It wasn't in the reference book that the writer originally used. Yeah. Um, and then the the millionaire tried to weasel out of because they had eight people back on for factually flawed questions. All they would have to, they, regardless of how you answer it, if it's if it's shown to be a flawed question, their policy was we'll have you back on. Well, there was uh, one in Britain. I think it was the British version where, and I'm sure you know the details. It was the tennis question where the gut the question was wrong, and this was just completely wrong. There was no ambiguity. The question. The question, uh, the guy got it wrong, but they said he got it right because both the question setter and the contestant got the wrong answer. Okay. And the question was, and I think I've told you about this, what's the least number of strokes a tennis player has to play to win a set? And they I, probably missed the double faulting on the other side. That is exactly what happened. He, yeah, the, they missed the fact. So they were like, okay, well, to win each game is four Ace. points. It goes 15, 30, 40 game. You can win a set six games to love. So it's six times four, which is 24. But that's not the right answer because the player who you're playing against could be terrible and just serve endless double faults. So, yeah. so you, twelve. So you actually, yeah. So you actually only need to you actually only need to hit the ball in three out of the six games. So the answer is twelve. The contestant said oh, wow. uh, twenty-four, and they gave it correct. And then he went on to win a couple more rounds. Uh, and then the next day, that when it got when it broadcast, there were a whole lot of people calling in and going like, "You got it wrong!" And they went, "Ah, oh, that was our screw up." So yeah, you he can't still take wins. it away now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. he still wins because we got it wrong. Right, the guy in the seat or woman in the seat has no resources, but the show with all their endless resources, because at the time, American Millionaire grossed more advertising money in a year than any show other show in history really it's crazy so how hot that show was it, it was, was on five gigantic. nights a week yeah. it was yeah, huge yeah. ratings um they should be able to with all those resources come up with the correct answer or let you back on but by the time it got to me they thought they could ride the ambiguity between which of these and what and say oh well yeah we you just you're supposed to pick just the best of the four even though the phrasing was clearly they had thought they had an absolute and right. not just the best of the four. They which didn't was, say which of these. Which was what annoying. Is. And I looked at 110,000 questions <laughs> from <laughs> from shows around the world because Millionaire was on in, in 20, 30 different countries. I learned how to kind of semi-read, you know, Hungarian to see. Yeah, it was, it, <laughs> and you know, it, it's always phrased that way. You know, it, only in the, the rarest errors. Yeah, so, so it just showed that they were full of crap when they said it was a which of these problem. Yeah, but then they never at that point they double they they'd gone too far to ever 
back down and let you back on. They just fought back the whole time, right? Yeah, because if they if they back down, it's it would would have cost them. What what ha- what's the worst that can happen? You know, I get on and I win one hundred twenty five thousand dollars. They probably spent two hundred two hundred fifty grand just on lawyers. Right. But the deal is that if they let me back on, a precedent has been set, and then every person who doesn't win a million decides to sue because there was some little weird thing they thought you know in their right 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 plus they they kind of hate me <laughs> <laughs> yeah you stayed a thorn in their side for a while it sounds like on that one but i can well, still see from a, for, just in terms of raw grammar that sentence can be read either way that ambiguity can be read on their side if it because it did say but you were saying they've never used a question. They've never. They've either used the format of what is or which of these is, and they're used uh, appropriately. Appropriately, they've yeah, never been, I've, I've yeah. written for a bunch of game shows too, and I looked at one hundred and ten thousand questions, and I only found like two or three exceptions yeah. to that phrasing. And they like one of them was in the in the chocolate game, possibly, because right. it was a game that where it was a whole Who Wants to Be a Millionaire home game made of chocolate. <laughs> so maybe <laughs> the. The editorial standards were slightly lower. Because they, I mean, you could, again, just playing devil's advocate for a second, you could, if there was a question that was like, um, who is the tallest, like, who is the tallest uh, celebrity, David Schwimmer, uh, Kylie Minogue, or Barack Obama? And you're like, well, that ne- none of those is the tallest, the tallest of all celebrities. Right. Well, but he's saying but they've the never, they've like, never, who is the tallest they've never used that word for one of those kind of questions. And that's they, a sloppy question and a good, you know, question editor, fact checker to say, you know, this needs to be a which of these. Right. So he's saying no, they never broke that rule. And this was obviously an error. Yeah. They thought they'd read, they thought that they had an absolute and then when they realized that they didn't, they said, well, we obviously meant pick among them. It's like, but you yeah, used and, a and format for... when we subpoenaed for- their research materials, it was apparent from the notes on that question that they were really looking for the world's highest... And didn't answer. have it as one of the answers. Right. Yeah. So that's, that um, was... Also, I picked very badly because David Schwimmer and Barack Obama are both 6'1". Oh, <laughs> so, the tallest. In case anyone was wondering about that. <laughs> if you're playing at home, they are bo- which is both substantially taller yeah. than Kylie Minogue. Mm-hmm. I thought Schwimmer was shorter. I thought he was like a 5'10 kind of guy. He doesn't seem like a 6'1". He's, he's, he's yeah. got the bearing, but if you're watching the the OJ show, he, he's he's a big guy on that show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So we should probably wrap things up, but um, where can our listeners find out more about you, Rick Rosner? They can go to at dumbassgenius <laughs> on Twitter, all one long word. Um I guess they can look me up on LinkedIn because I've put a whole stupid biography up there of every stupid thing I've done. Nice. Um, nice. If you just Google me, a lot of dumb, crazy stuff comes up. <laughs> on YouTube, there's the, the the smartest guy in the world show where it's a, a one-person quiz show where I, as the smartest guy in America, I should be able to answer any question. So, And if I get a question wrong... Um, a guy hits me with food. Okay. <laughs> and, I, and I get a lot of Was that of your dumbass idea? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. Uh-huh. And and some of the books, the books that we read are available on Amazon right now? Or yeah. Th- yes. Yeah. <laughs> they're, kind of, they're kind of second drafty. Yeah. But that's fine for Amazon. You're paying two ninety nine. Come on. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Eventually, you know, I hope to bring out, like, actual book books mm-hmm. that have been professionally edited 
But if you want to learn more about this theory of the universe, you can go there and kind of wade through some semi-sloppy writing. I find it very interesting. What's sloppy to you is probably going to be fine to most people. No, no, no. No. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming. And Dax Jordan, where can listeners find out more about you? Uh, DaxJordan.com. I'm on Twitter, at DaxJordan. Excellent. We are on Twitter, at ProbablyScience. You can email us, ProbablyScience at gmail.com. You can also find Andy and I individually at Andy T. Wood and at Matt Kirshen. And also you can follow at Jesse Case and listen to Jesse versus Cancer. I highly recommend it. The last two surgery specials are uh, must must listens. Yeah. Must listens. Maybe not the second one if you're eating. But <laughs> otherwise, please do give them a listen. Uh, check out the work of all of us, uh, of our guests. Uh, once again, you can donate at probablyscience.com. You can also find our Amazon link there. Please do use them. We appreciate it. We'll be back again next week. But in the With- meantime... Episode 200 will be next week. Oh, yeah. We've got ideas for what we should do for our special episode. We've been mulling different plans over, but if you have something that you really think we should do, email us or tweet us at probablyscience, probablyscience probablyscience.gmail.com. One more time, uh, once more, Rick, thank you so much for joining us. Sure, and that means this episode is a prime. Oh, yes, 199. That's wow. true. We should do something special for special numbers as well. Why are we even making 200 a special episode? That's so 200 it, not a special it's so number. It's so 10-centric. It's so human hands and numbers of digits on our fingers <laughs> centric. It's good point. really silly. Okay. But we are anyway. We are going to make a big deal of it. So thank you so much for listening, and thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye.